Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, dear listeners, this podcast, recording this podcast, made my heart sing. This is one of those interviews where you sit down and you just have a great time, you learn loads and you come away feeling totally inspired. This was an hour stolen with the CEO of a skincare range called Skin Fix, a lovely lady called Amy Regan. Uh, she used to work at L'Oreal, she's worked at Estee Lauder, she's also been at Jo Malone London and this is um, her own brand. And we just had a complete giggle and I kind of want to go and work for her. Listen on and you'll find out why. You have to make a very important decision uh, between two Canadians uh, if you work in her office, which I can totally get on board with. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, go to emmagunawardner.com where you can email me and also sign up for the show's newsletter. You can also track me down on Twitter at emmag underscore beauty or on Instagram at Emma Guns. I'm going to put all of Amy's information in the show notes, all the links to the books and all the other things that we mention. So without any further ado, welcome to the Beauty Podcast with Emma G, featuring the very fabulous Amy Regan, CEO of SkinFix. To the beauty podcast with Emma G. In this episode, I am joined by a very inspirational and very fascinating woman, the wonderful Amy Regan. Thank you for joining me here today. Thank you, Emma. It's great to be here, and thank you for that introduction. Wow. <laughs> when I say joining me, you've actually uh, brought me to a lovely private room, which is decorated with the most beautiful spring flowers and lots of uh, skin fix products, because this is your wonderful brand. This is our, our uh, press launch for the UK. Um, and all of these beautiful flowers and things were coordinated by Gabrielle Shaw Communications. So we're very happy to be here and they did a great job. They certainly did. It looks very beautiful. We are going to talk about your range, but I really want to find out about you because you're quite a fascinating lady who's had this incredibly brilliant and varied career in beauty and now has this range. And that even in itself has its great uh, 
origin story, if you will. Um, but you started at L'Oreal back in the day. I did. But 1992. In 92. Long time ago. <gasps> when Pearl Jam were in the charts. Pearl Jam were in the charts <laughs> and Mac was the big thing on the beauty scene. Oh, really? Yes, Interesting. Everybody wanted to be Mac. Yes. Bobby Brown was just really getting started and Kiehl's was hot. It was a sort of... It's a different decade. And you were always going to work in beauty, weren't you? Because you grew up with that being your father's career, is that right? Yes. Wow, you have a lot of good backstory. Yeah, my dad worked at Estee Lauder um, in manufacturing. So he ran their manufacturing facilities back in the 70s. And then he moved on uh, to Max Factor and worked uh, there for a while. And he moved to L.A. when he worked for Max Factor. And then he got out of beauty. But I was sort of indelibly... <laughs> um, you know, linked to the beauty world from then on. Yeah. And when I got out of university, it was the first place I wanted to go was to New York and to work in beauty. So, And you went to university and you did business, is that right? No, I did comparative religion. Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely a link, right? Between it's comparative totally. religion and business. I mean, it's just <laughs> obvious. My father was very displeased that I was not doing engineering or something sort of rational, okay. but... I got to university and I started taking courses in the religion department and by the time I had to declare a major I had basically already done a major in religion so I declared religion as my major and loved it, absolutely loved it. Took courses in astrology, (gasps) Buddhism. Do you know Mercury is about to go into retrograde? I do know. In fact, our entire company knows. I'm a bit of an astrology buff, so yes. Oh, so actually, please explain it to me, because I've just said to you with great authority, you know Mercury's about to go into retrograde. What on earth does that mean? Well, Should I, I be worried? Well, I was going to say to you, it's a good thing that you launched your podcast before Mercury went retrograde. Because does it mess up communication? Yes. Okay. It rules. Mercury's the planet of communication, transportation, electronics. So Gemini and Virgo are ruled by Mercury. And, and you're so a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. So you get particularly screwed up when you're a Gemini and Virgo. But you shouldn't buy any electronics. You shouldn't launch any sort of new electronic or uh, digital business. You just have to be really careful. Okay. I'm going to watch communications. Oh. Does that matter? That's good. Well, it depends on every time Mercury goes retrograde, the planets are all in different alignments. So it affects everybody in a different way. So... I'd have to really get into your chart, and I'm a bit of a novice for that. We might do that offline, but that... Offline, (laughs) absolutely. But someone did say to me the other day that I'm in a three-year Mercury situation. Okay. Tough lessons to be learned. Okay. Something like that. So Mercury must, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Great. We're going to delve into that. I'm a Sag Moon Sag Rising, so Oh, yeah. I, do you find that all of your friends seem to be pockets of different star, of the same star signs? No. They're no. all over the place, but... Yeah. Interesting. See, Sagittarius and Scorpios are where I tend to have the mo- most okay. of my friends. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah, well, it depends on depends on your chart. It depends on so much. <laughs> anyway, that's a wee bit of a digression. So L'Oreal, you went so to So then L'Oreal. I went from astrology, no, I'm kidding, from comparative religion mm-hmm. to I was really lucky to get a job at L'Oreal. I still look back and kind of think how the heck did that happen. Lucky but, how? It, well, because it was really very much a company that was looking to hire MBAs and people with business backgrounds, and I somehow convinced them that understanding religion was really important to understanding how people are motivated to purchase things and live. And You're going to have so, to give me the elevator pitch. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I somehow weaseled my way into marketing at L'Oreal, which is an incredible company. 
and I got incredible training there. And it really was, in essence, a business degree for me because mm -hmm. I knew nothing and I took no statistics, I took no economics, I really stayed away from math after high school. So I jumped in and they, they trained me in how sort of businesses run. And putting it into context, can you think of any notable campaigns that we might remember that you worked on at the time? I don't know that I can think of any notable campaigns. We launched um, a lot of products when I was there. One of my favorites was Voluminous Mascara, which was a big hit in North America. It was mm. sort of a thickening mascara. Um, we launched, it was the time period where Colorstay, Revlon launched their Colorstay lipstick, which was that lipstick with all the silicone that stayed on your lips forever. So we launched our version of Colorstay while I was there. So we did some fun things. We launched Toluene and Formaldehyde-free nail enamel. So there was a it was a very active uh, company in terms of new product launches. So you learned really how to take something from concept to market and everything in between, which was great. So was it the, the steep learning curve of really... And what did you focus on, actually? When I say steep learning curve, did you really pay attention to what the consumers were after? Was there a lot of that kind of how people talk and the language of beauty? Yeah, I mean, at L'Oreal, you're, when you're in marketing, you're really in sort of a general management training camp. So I was in charge of the budget. I think at the time it was sort of a $100 million budget for the division. It was a massive Wowzers. budget. So I had to kind of keep track of all of that, which was great training. I worked on the lip and nail category. So we were very much focused on trend and fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and we did do a ton of market research, so focus groups. We bought research from various companies. We looked at Nielsen data very closely. We were tracking our performance all the time. So, uh, And then you learn how to talk to an agency, brief an agency, build a campaign, what's, you know, brand, what's brand right, what's not brand mm -hmm. right. So it's really kind of a full gamut of things that you learn Sounds when you're at a intense. company like L'Oreal. Yeah. And then you went to Munich? Is that right? Well, then I went to business school in France, actually, because I'm a Sag Rising. <laughs> <laughs> Love to travel. So I went to INSEAD, which was it was really cool. I struggled there because I just don't have a head for finance, and there was a lot of, it was a very finance-heavy uh, mm. school, and there were a lot of people there that had worked in finance and consulting, so I was sort of the the beauty girl trying to sort of make my way but it was a great experience and it was good to get that foundation as well yeah. uh, when I was at L'Oreal I said you know you really should at some point go and get your MBA it'd be really helpful and it was and then I came out of INSEAD and I actually went back to New York and worked for Cody for a couple of years and launched a line of cosmetics for Isabella Rossellini <gasps> <laughs> Tell me everything about Isabella Rossellini. She was very cool, very intense, um, great sense of humor, just brilliant woman, very interesting poised, life. Very poised. Very poised. But very edgy, too, at the same time. She mm -hmm. always had a really cool circle of friends around her. I mean, I didn't really hang out with her. I was at the <laughs> office sort of helping do sort of all the stuff in the background. But she's a very interesting woman, and she had yeah. a really interesting perspective on beauty. Uh, the line was called Manifesto, uh, and unfortunately it doesn't exist anymore, but she had a really interesting perspective that I think is almost more, would almost do better today than oh, maybe really? when it was launched. It was sort of along the lines of the Glossier philosophy. I don't know if you're aware of Glossier in the U.S., but it's very much about you know embracing your own beauty and mm -hmm. not being told what beauty is. And so we put women in the ads who had freckles and women who had you know just different-looking mm -hmm. people. It was very much about... Um, a new paradigm of beauty. Oh, so you're so, right. So she was completely ahead of her time. She was way ahead of her time. I think she was a couple of decades, you know, ahead of, of the market. Uh, but that was really interesting, and I was there for a two-year sort of contract stint to help mm -hmm. them get the product launched, and then I went to Munich. 
And that was where you launched, was it, did you launch or did you work with Beauty Spy? Uh, we launched Beauty Spy, we used to say it with a nice thick German accent. So we launched, um, it was an e-commerce business mm-hmm. in Germany and the UK and then we had a little store in Munich as well. Mm-hmm. So I did that for about a year and a half until we were funded by a venture capital fund that went bankrupt. So that sort of put a line under that. <laughs> it was a little difficult to carry on. <laughs> uh, but my partner bought the business out of bankruptcy effectively, and she carried on with the store for a few years after that in the e-commerce site. So we were effectively a space NK in Germany is what we were oh, trying to do. Interesting. Yeah. And then you came to London. And then I came to London. And just before we talk about, because... Um, Lauder, you came to Lauder as a huge brand. Yes. There's this um, thing that you've naturally gravitated towards the smaller brands throughout your Absolutely. career. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was great to work on L'Oreal Cosmetics because I had to get that training, mm-hmm. but I haven't really gone back to a big brand since then. Yeah. Um, and working, f- I remember interviewing at Lauder UK. And I, I think I talked to the Clinique people, and I was sort of uh, not so sure that, you know, I needed a job, so mm. I would have obviously gone with Clinique. It's a great brand. But when I met Gary Wilcox, who's Joe's husband, and he was the MD of Joe Malone, mm. I nearly fell over. Did he play his guitar? He didn't. Oh. I've never heard Gary play the guitar, actually. Oh, I'm desperate to hear him. You need to listen to Joe's Desert Island Disc, and she talks about Gary playing the guitar. Okay. That's oh, so funny. I worked with him for four and a half years. I didn't know he played the guitar. Ah. Wow. I'm hoping on one of these podcasts he will come and do a little set. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> awesome. I love Gary. Uh, Gary and Joe are just really great people to work with, and mm-hmm. we became friends, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, I'd go to their country house with them now and again. I mean, they're just, it was very much a family organization. Yeah. Even then, Lauder had just purchased them, so um, I got to work with her, and she sort of would bring me under the tent on fragrance development and show me how she worked with the fragrance houses, and it was very cool. Um, I've interviewed Joe before, and actually one of the things she says is, um, not that she is a mentor, but I just think she has a natural... Ability. She's some... a Scorpio, by the way. <laughs> that explains so much. She's a very good mentor. She's a really good leader and a very yeah. good. And she did. She brought me along. She'd take me to press meetings with her, and she'd say, "Now we're going to meet this journalist." And this is. And I got to watch and listen and learn yeah. from her and how she sort of interacted with people. And she always sent gifts. Yeah. And journalists would write about her. She always sent a handwritten thank you note and a gift. And she really appreciated the support of journalists because she was building her business. Yeah. And she understood how important they were in her business. Um, she was it was she was an amazing person to learn from. That must have been an incredible experience to learn with Joe. Because I think Joe had a steep learning curve too. Probably. I mean when I got there she was, you know, she had mastered the but, game and really had yeah. been so successful at that stage. Oh, totally. I just find her fascinating and her viewpoints on business really interesting. Yeah. Do you, is she the sort of person that when you're working on a, you know, your own brand like Skin Fix, a lot of her words echo in your mind? Definitely. She's, I would say, been my most influential business mentor. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, the team knows. I'm looking at my PR director, but I give product away all the time. I'm always giving product away. And, and that was the thing that I started with Joe. She said, no, you're my marketing director. So you have access to the product closet and I want you to use it. She said, remember that a product is, you know, Joe Malone product is like a pair of diamond earrings. So don't give it away willy-nilly to anyone. I shouldn't say willy-nilly. But don't give it away to everyone because it's, you know, it's very special, but make sure you do share it with people and, and that's going to really help mm. to build the brand. And so we're always 
people come to, for meetings, they leave with product. Everybody gets product. We're on our way to a conference in Florida. I've got a boatload of product because we just, <laughs> you know, we just want people to experience it. We yeah. want to get it out there. And um, she was very influential in sort of learning that that's a very important part of a business. Yeah. So the four and a half years with Estee Lauder were with Joe Malone London. With Joe, yes. And then what happened after four and a half years? So after four and a half years, I got a call from Nikki Kinnaird. <laughs> Space AK. <laughs> And I absolutely loved working with Joe. And actually, at the time, uh, I was thinking of moving back to North America just because I'm not from here. And I thought mm. at some point I'll go back. And then Nikki Kinnaird called, and they had just been um, partnered with Manzanita Capital, uh, which is a private equity fund that bought a controlling stake in Space NK. And the owner of Manzanita was the son of the founder of The Gap. And so Bill Fisher called me personally, and we spoke. And I thought, you know, if I ever want to learn retail, Right. Which I had never, <laughs> I sort of t- dipped my toe in at Joe Malone because she has a lot of obviously mm. freestanding retail stores. And I realized how different an animal retail is because when you're in L'Oreal, you might launch a new product or work on a campaign. By the time it hits the market, you're probably on a different business. Mm. You know, it's just, you're not that connected to what's going mm. on at retail. At Joe Malone, you know, I I'd do something in store and Gary would say, customers don't like it. It didn't work. You know, and I'd have to immediately sort of changed my path because at retail you get immediate feedback and so I thought that was really interesting because it's important for a marketer to have more contact Mm. with what's going on at at the sales level so when Bill and Nikki called I thought you know this is an amazing opportunity to learn from two masters of retail Mm. and I should really really jump in and do it so I did and then I got pregnant in the first week of the job So (laughs) (laughs) so I was only there seven months and then moved back to North America but Wow. Yeah. And so how did that, I mean, obviously you're back at work now. So um, did you always know that you were going to go back after starting a family? Well, you know, interestingly, I always thought I'd go back after starting a family, but I moved to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And there are not a lot of marketing jobs in Halifax. (laughs) And there wasn't until recently a beauty industry. So I actually ended up spending six years basically at home with my kids and did some consulting projects and did a little work here and there but by virtue of not having really anything else to do I was home for six years which in retrospect was wonderful and I'm really happy that I had that opportunity because I'm one of those people that probably would have gone right back to work and never had that chance Mm. so and so how did you come back was it with the meeting with SkinFix no I um I ended up working for a company in Halifax called Ocean Nutrition Canada, which has now been sold to DSM, and they were the world leader in fish oil. So they sold fish oil to the supplements industry and the food industry for omega-3s. And so that was an incredible. I'm very interested in health and wellness and supplements, and I took omega-3s, so I was really excited to go and work there. And it was interesting because I learned a whole other side of the business, which is how things can fix. I learned all about natural products and the regulatory requirements of working in that space which were much more onerous than in the cosmetics world Mm -hmm. and um, I worked in the food ingredient space so I got to work with a lot of the Canadian retailers in terms of selling in omega-3s that they could put into yogurt or into baked goods and pizzas and things like that so I started working very closely with Loblaws which is the big grocery chain in Canada which ended up benefiting me when I started SkinFix. So I worked there for about two and a half years until I met the founder of SkinFix and started talking to her about that business, and that's when I decided to jump jump out. 
So this attraction, this gravitation towards these smaller brands, like something really resonated with Skin Fix. So what was it in the first instance when you were like, you know what, this is something, this deserves my attention and my time? Well, you know, it was the, it was the formula. It was a really cool formula. It was, it's anhydrous. The original balm was, is anhydrous, so there's no water in it. So it's just a really, you know, very thick emollient balm. And I looked at the ingredient label, and I considered myself a bit of a skincare, you know, not expert, but very knowledgeable in skincare. Mm-hmm. And there were some ingredients I'd never seen before. Um, and I sent the product to a friend of mine in product development in New York, and she took a look at it and tried it on her daughter who had eczema and called me up and said, whatever that is, you need to buy it. You need to, <laughs> you need to own that formula. Um, there was also hundreds of testimonials, handwritten testimonials, email testimonials from customers across Canada, but in other parts of the world who had used SkinFix mm-hmm. on eczema, on nappy rash, on diabetic skin conditions that just said, this is the only thing that's ever worked for me. So, so a real multitasker for problems. Absolutely. And a real sort of, you know, dare I say, miracle product. Mm. In essence, I'd never really seen that kind of response before from a product. Yeah. And what I loved about it, too, was that it was natural and it was also healing people, which is really sort of just in my wheelhouse. It just felt really good to be part of a product that was healing people and yeah. helping them. Um, I love color cosmetics. It's tons of fun, but this is somehow closer to my to my core, to, to yeah. what feels good. Well, I could tell when I arrived today, you were speaking to a journalist who, I think her boyfriend had a skin issue and you were very very confident and were desperate for her to try it because there's that confidence in your voice you just, I know that this will help him yeah I mean we are really confident about our formulas and, and I didn't create them so I can say that with a arrogance because <laughs> it you know, they were actually created by a, a British man from mm-hmm. Yorkshire named Thomas Dixon in 1870 the original bomb comes from England and it's incredible uh, and no one else in this space in the eczema space is doing anything like we're doing no one has a balm um, no one's treating eczema the way we're treating it and we're doing it naturally so mm-hmm. it's it is great and we do feel very confident recommending it, it won't work for everybody mm-hmm. but it works for most people is what we found and so there's an original balm but then yes. what I'm seeing in front of me is a, a portfolio of products so yes <laughs> <laughs> so you have the original balm and then it is there are elements of this balm that you've put into different formulas and textures exactly yeah so the balm is really the sort of the hero product which treats eczema flare-ups so it's something you use to on to spot treat mm-hmm. an eczema flare-up in the crook of the arm and the back of the knee um, and you can use it in conjunction with steroids because the reality is a lot of people will often need to use a steroid if the sure. condition gets um particularly bad we do find that it does work on most people but some people like to use it in conjunction and then we found just in our research that 97 percent of people that have eczema have it on their hands Mm -hmm. and then there's a huge incidence of occupational dermatitis people working in restaurants and childcare facilities and hospitals washing their hands all the time have very bad occupational dermatitis i spoke to a hairdresser who told me that when he um he's also done a podcast he told me that when he um as a trainee, he used to wash sometimes 50 heads of hair a day. He would go home and his hands would be bleeding. Absolutely. And think about all the chemicals in, in hair color, etc. Perms, back in the day. Perms. I had a perm, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the, yes, so this product is really much broadly, more broadly targeted because it's for people with 
eczema on their hands, but also who just get contact dermatitis or occupational dermatitis. So we said to them, my product developer and I said, and she comes from Lauder. She was at La Mer when I hired her. She's worked on Stravactin. She created mm-hmm. Frederick Fakai Hair Care. She's brilliant. Oh, wow. So I said to her, okay, we want to take the constituents of the balm, but we want to make it put a little water in it, emulsify it, make it spreadable so mm-hmm. that it can be used as a hand cream. So um, we said to the chemist, we want the richest, most protective hand cream on the market. We want the best. We want something with no fragrance, um, but that's really you know going to last through a few hand washings. So he created this balm, and it's really a therapeutic product. Mm-hmm. But funnily enough, it's won four beauty awards. So oh. it won the Allure Best Hand Cream red book shape and total beauty in one year wow. so it's a killer hand cream getting so noticed getting noticed so we created the hand cream next and then we really realized that the issue with eczema is very much not just about the flare-ups that occur but it's actually sometimes caused by the other products you're using people will get an eczema flare-up and use a steroid and then go back in the shower with their Bath and Body Works heavily fragranced sulfate-laden mm-hmm. body wash, which my daughter loves those. They're great, but if you have irritated skin, it's not a great idea mm. to use sulfates and fragrance. So the wash is really an important element in the whole regimen. It's got actually emollient oils in it. It's more of a sort of foaming oil wash. Mm-hmm. has no sulfates. It's coconut surfactant, so it's really gentle, and it's not going to strip the lipids. And then, of course, we created a daily moisturizer that you can use every day all over, just that has no fragrance and no parabens and a high level of emollient oils because it's very important to kind of stop the eczema before it yeah. actually occurs. So that's in, the idea. In many cases, if people have irritated or eczema or they, they have eczema on their skin, they in the shower they might be limited to something like an aqueous cream. Yes. Um, but this actually is more of a... Foamy, it foams, but Gently it doesn't foams strip. and it doesn't strip. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, and you can use it, you know, if you don't have eczema, if you just have dry skin, or if you just don't want to use sulfates and yeah. fragrances as well. So it's really, it's not just for people with eczema. And tell me about the company, because is it right that you have um, an eight-woman team? Forty women. <laughs> Clearly, my because we have is two old. brands. We have another little brand that we just launched this year in the feminine hygiene space. So we've okay. just doubled our headcount to support that. But we have forty women. Soon, most likely, we'll have we'll have a, a man on a token board. dude. A dude, a dude <laughs> will have to come into the mix at some point. It hasn't been by design. It's just been by you know accident. It's beauty, mm. and in Halifax, there are tremendous amount of incredibly talented, really well-educated, hardworking, ambitious people. Mm. And there aren't a lot of cool brand companies like this that, you know, that exist. So we just attracted a lot of women because it's beauty and it's been, it's been amazing. It's been a fun ride. Mm. Um, most of us have not had any experience in beauty. And I think that's actually been sort of refreshing and a, a bit of the silver bullet in a way that we think differently about beauty. We don't just do sort of the yeah. usual. Well, yeah, the ability to think differently because it's something new, perhaps bring new perspectives, is what makes some brands really interesting. Um, Tell me about a company that grows that quickly. That must be chaos. Must make your head spin. (laughs) It's complete chaos. No, it's fun. It's but it's chaos um, because we're just constantly learning new things and and um, diving in with new (coughs) retailers or in this case, new markets. We were first in Canada and then quickly went to the U.S. and now we're in the U.K. and I think we'll we'll hold for a while and make sure we can kind of make that all work. But um, but it's fun. It's really fun. We're we're creating products. We're working with 
really amazing people. We're learning tons mm. all the time. We've made a lot of mistakes. We laugh about them. Often, but How do you view your mistakes? As it's cliche, but as learning experiences, you know, we we. Um, we see them as challenges often when we have big screw-ups usually my VP of ops and I are the ones that you know in large part responsible for big manufacturing screw-ups so we'll sit down and we'll say what's the lesson what's the challenge what's the universe trying to tell us um but it's a good perspective because I think you know in the end of the day when you're moving this quickly things are gonna mm. happen and we're gonna mess up and just try to understand why and try to fix it and often it's just because we haven't had the right processes mm. in place that we haven't had a system of checks and balances or we didn't think of something or something just didn't happen that was yeah. meant to happen and so we just tried it or mercury went retrograde you can't help that you can't you help can't it. stop mercury going retrograde three times a year for three weeks it's brutal oh so it's only three weeks three weeks okay yes. that's interesting it's good to know <laughs> i might make a note of my diary <laughs> um but you're the boss that this is your this is your gig it um, is how have, how does one adapt to that and basically being um, at the centre of it all and having these people um, not necessarily report into you but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the example if Julia Roberts walked into this room now we would all feed off her mood mm-hmm. and if she was in a bad mood we'd be on edge if she was in a really good mood we'd all feel really comfortable and say oh my god today was amazing you're Julia Roberts <laughs> because you kind of have to set the mood but there's a great deal of pressure that comes with that especially in a working environment it's a good analogy and I think um, that's that's my biggest learning because I'm very moody I'm in Gemini swinging this way I'm swinging that way and I'm high voltage when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Which is not always optimal. So (laughs) I am trying very hard to learn how to kind of stay neutral. And I have mentors around me that really try to help me stay neutral. There are just certain things I have to do as a a person who's very kind of um, high anxiety. You know, I have to exercise. I have to get a lot of sleep because I have to really manage my mood because you're absolutely right. It's it's vital. Um, I think that's my biggest opportunity as a leader is to do a better job of that. So in the meantime, I surround myself with people who are better at that than I am to be a bit of a buffer. (laughs) Do you think when you have... um uh, a company as, as you have like learning to delegate is one of the biggest things yes. that will actually ease the pressure yes absolutely because when you start with three people and you set suddenly have 43 years later and you're used to kind of still being involved mm. in everything 
it's hard to let go. Yeah. And that's our sort of senior management team. We try not to create too much of a hierarchy, but the reality is there are some folks that are in charge of their departments. And we talk all the time about how we start to empower everybody else because now we've got people that have two, two and a half, three years under their belt and they're ready to start making decisions yeah. and we need to let them do that. So that's a big challenge for us too. That's incredible. It sounds like, it sounds like exciting times, but also that everyone's on like quite the journey, not just... It is a journey. (laughs) The J word. (laughs) The J word. Um, And you mentioned running, and I read a a quote that I thought was brilliant where you said, I'm a runner and a sleeper. And you need to run off your anxiety. You probably need to run off your adrenal glands, but also you need to rest well. I do. When did you realize that was the key to an equilibrium? Um, Probably after having kids and being so sleep deprived that Mm -hmm. certain people can do it. You know, you read about Bill Clinton getting three hours a night or whatever it is. I will never be that person and I've come to realize that. And my mentor in this business, funnily enough, is the same, he's a sleeper. And I learned from him, okay, it's okay. You've been very successful, you manage a lot, you're high energy, but you need eight to nine hours a night and that's okay. So I finally accepted that, but it's okay that you need a lot of sleep. <laughs> There's a weird badge of honor in work that comes with, I've pulled an all-nighter, or I haven't slept much, or I'm so manic, I'm so busy. Yeah. And um, I listened to a podcast with Tim Ferriss, who I think is amazing, I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah. And he said, if you ever have to say to anybody, um, I'm really busy, it means that you're managing your time poorly. Okay. So every time I hear that word or I feel that word's about to trip out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, dang. I think I said that this morning, didn't I, Gab? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's good advice. It's true. It's true, yeah. Um, so how, where do you run? On my treadmill. It's really boring. <laughs> but <laughs> I have two kids and I'm a single parent part of the time, so it's just easier for me to go downstairs and get it done and um do you get runners high is it about meditating for you absolutely i send a lot of emails when i'm running though which (laughs) it makes me think of things and i pause and i send emails so my team sort of knows this hour of the day is when (laughs) all systems go have you seen the first wives club with goldie horn bet midler and diane yeah a long time ago there's a brilliant scene and i totally relate to it which is why that makes me laugh there's a brilliant scene where they're hatching the plan to get their husbands to pay for the first wives club and goldie horn's on a treadmill and she says i have my best ideas when i'm thinking when i'm when i'm moving (laughs) i thought yeah i totally get the same thing i have to switch all devices off when i'm running because otherwise i'll You'll be on them all the time. Yeah, I should do that too, because I, yeah. You just need to just have a have a microphone. Just, as you're running, just shout, email so-and-so. Or... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> What's that new system they have? It has a name. It's got a woman's name, and I don't know if it's Siri. Here. Siri. Oh, no, I... not Siri. There's a new one. Anyway, my girlfriend has it, and she yells its name. Alexis, it's called. Oh, I think I saw it on the Kardashians. Alexis. And I, I don't know. I went to New York, and she's talking to Alexis, and I had no idea what she was doing. The radio's going on. The lights are going on. <laughs> anyway, it's this thing that sort of does everything. That's what I need. I need Alexis. Yeah. Um, do you ever compete? When I say compete, I mean, do you ever do any organized runs to set yourself goals? I did. I did, but um, I don't anymore. I didn't. I enjoy it was it. too, yeah. I didn't really enjoy it. I love the running part, but the competition fed my anxiety. Oh. <laughs> I decided I didn't need to compete. Just run on the treadmill. So are you a get up and it's the first thing you do? Or is no. it I fit it in whenever I can? I have to have tea and I have to kind of spend an hour on email. It's just I have to kind of wake up and then I go. 
Interesting. I'm just really a creature of habit. And if you don't, will everyone in your office know it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> my my best friend works with us. She's our creative director, and she will call me out on it. She'll say, "Go for a run. Get out of here. Go do for you, a run." Do you have a, a treadmill in the office? No, but that's a good idea. <laughs> The team, though, has started working out because it's all women. So we would do these fitness challenges and we would be doing squats and push-ups. So it's like a bit random. That's how we get our energy off, too. Oh, you need like a, you need a boot camp somewhere in yeah. the building. That'd yeah, amazing. we do. Yeah. They did 200 squats the other day. Yeah, we're all in there. <laughs> do you have stairs in your building? The stairs are so steep going up. It's three flights. Yeah. It's like we half and half going up and down. And we're yeah. like, do we really want that coffee? With yeah, everyone I don't know. Do we? No, you have to really want to go, go to the coffee down. shop. It's coming to. down the stairs the day after 200 squats. It's going to be a it challenge. It was intense. We're all like, it's very stiff. It's very stiff, but it was fun. But only in an office of women could you really do a 200 squat challenge and do it every day at 10 o'clock and just stop and do it's it. It's amazing. It's true. It's kind of fun. Bring the um, <laughs> listeners, this is um, Natasha Compton. Natasha's <laughs> our PR director. She's awesome. She works 24 7 and has two young kids. Uh, she does it. You just make it happen. She does make it happen. That's incredible. Our chairman loves Natasha. He says, hire more women like her. <laughs> now, is, now, is your chairman John Risley? Yes. Yeah. Um, now, I thought there was a brilliant interview with you about going into Target. Or when I lived in New Hampshire, as we like to call it, Target. Target. Which I thought was fabulous. When you lived free. When, yeah, I lived free or died in New Hampshire <laughs> for three months. I only went, no, not I only went to. I was very kindly invited to New Hampshire when I left university. So I went for three months. And the reason I wanted to go there is because Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith. Oh my God, is he from New Hampshire? He has a home there. Okay. And um, I would go and hang out near his <laughs> I love that. Um, because I would do that too. I like Stephen Tyler. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's very cool. cool. Um, but yeah, you learn a lot when you're in New Hampshire and you go to Target. Yes. Um, now, the conversation that I, or the interview that I read was um, how you maybe had differing ideas with John about how, whether to go into Target or how you went about it. Is that right? Yes. And the quote was <clears throat> that you had a spirited dialogue. And I wanted to ask you... <laughs> What does a spirited dialogue look like in your world? We had world? one yesterday, actually. Our marketing director could tell you. Well, we're both very spirited people. What star sign is he? He's a, he's a Taurus, <gasps> but he has a Sag moon, and he's, he's a very spirited man. Um, but yes, we did. Because in the end of the day, the majority of the funding is coming from him. So mm-hmm. obviously, he, his point of view is really important, and he has a lot of very successful businesses. And he had a very good point, which is, are we ready to go national? You know, to go national with a consumer brand is an mm-hmm. expensive proposition, and we're going to be up against the big guys. And are we better off going to some of the regional drug players like Bartel and Kinney and starting there and building up? But my feeling was you don't get target full distribution. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, people get offered 50 doors. If they do well, they get offered 100. Then they get offered 400. And we were being offered 1,800 doors out of the gate. And I just thought, you know, Target was the perfect retailer for us at the time mm-hmm. because they are very collaborative and because we were, um, we are a natural product and we're premium priced and it just sort of fit with their demographic. So in the end, we, we convinced him, but um, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty feisty conversation. Well, that's what I'm interested about because I think everyone's trying to be assertive and not aggressive and everyone's trying to put across their points in business, whatever it is that they do. Yeah. Um, as a businesswoman, how do you go about 
getting your points across in a way that you're really comfortable with, but also the person receiving them is very comfortable with too. Yeah, I mean, in our case, we're we're friends, so there's I knew him before we started working together, so I think there was it was more familiar and it was easier to have a spirited conversation mm-hmm. with him versus somebody who was really in just a chairman role and I had only met through business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in the office, we often have spirited dialogue. I think that's what's great about our company is that people aren't afraid to voice their opinion. Mm-hmm. They aren't afraid to really hold their opinion. Um, at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision and it's not always the one that is the consensus opinion or it's not always doesn't always make everyone happy my creative director and I often have some spirited conversations about design <clears throat> but we respect one another mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the crux of it what is your intention your intention is good yeah. you want the best thing for the company you really believe this is the best thing <clears throat> and so we're able to kind of get emotional about it but knowing that we're all in it together and we're all trying to get a cut to the best solution so mm-hmm. it's very respectful spirited dialogue (laughs) I love spirited dialogue because you know that it it got feisty but then it it got okay again (laughs) yes yeah but then I knew too if I'm going to really stick to my guns on this and maybe go against what he believes is the right thing that if it doesn't work out I also have to be able to wear it yeah so that's the flip side of spirited dialogue yeah that's that's a toughie and how do you how when you make a decision like that and you're so confident in it um how do you back it up? Like, if you, you know, thinking about somebody who's going into a work environment and wants to put their point across, how do you, what, what advice would you give anybody? Um, you know, it's interesting. I was just reading a book yesterday called Brainfluence that Gabby gave me. Um, and one of the things they talk about in one of the chapters is how important confidence is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you have to stay confident is the key. Once you've made the decision and you're in it, you know, once we were in with Target and we were, you can't second guess it. You just can't. It's not good for you. It's not good for the company. It's not good for anyone. You have to remain confident. And he was talking about it in the, from the perspective of a sales cycle and how it's really confident people can put something across very confidently. It might not even be backed up by that much, but it actually works and can sell product. But I think in the same way, you know, um, you really need to remain you know, dedicated to your idea and confident and optimistic for mm-hmm. the team. And I also believe in manifest destiny. And, you know, you, if you believe it's going to work, it's going to work. If you can, you have to work hard. You have to really mm-hmm. go for it. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to look at things when they're not working and figure out how to fix them. But you fundamentally have to believe it's going to work. Um, and then often it will. Is that a manifest, is that from the secret or something different? It's probably from a whole load of (laughs) self-help books and new age stuff. God only knows. I think it's just sort of just my gut instinct. Mm -hmm. Sag is a very big picture thinker. It's a very sort of visionary perspective, but I think you just have to really believe in it and go for it. And it's like athletes, you know, they really believe that they're going to perform well and they picture themselves performing well and apparently it enhances their performance. It's sort of the same idea. Really, really, if you actually think about yourself going across the finish line in a certain time, it can influence the the, the physical manifestation, as you say, which you would think, really? Surely if you just train hard enough, it will happen. But it's not, you're right, professional athletes, they're all, their heads are in it as much as their bodies. Yes, yeah. I mean, golfers in particular, I was watching the Masters this past weekend, it is such a head game, golf. You really have to be, you know, visualizing the outcome, I think, to to play golf. 
Totally. If your head's off. Yeah. I sometimes have a... I like to run too, but if my head's not in the run, then I'll just... My body will stop. And I'll be like, what just happened? What happened, actually? Yeah. I'm two miles from home and I want to get back, but something's off and it could be because I've got too much on my mind or... But and the whole purpose of running, I don't, as you say, is like someone's clearing your head. Yes, yes. So, but you also have to give when it's not a good day and just yeah. say it's okay. I'm gonna walk home. Yeah, done. You know, I'm gonna get <laughs> yeah. a coffee and I'm gonna walk home. I have a coffee. Yeah. Sometimes, <coughs> sometimes it's the resting, which which uh, uh, brings us back a little bit to sleep. The resting and um, also uh, diet. Because I I read a quote where I think you said something about um, you kind of you really function well on lots of protein mm-hmm. with a reference to paleo but I don't think you follow paleo is that right? <clears throat> not really but sort of loosely because mm-hmm. I'm gluten free and dairy free just because I'm one of those people that has all those allergies <laughs> so um, when I don't have a gluten free bread option I have to avoid it so that kind of helps okay. it kind of makes me paleo by default but <clears throat> excuse me I do find I'm very very affected by diet so this week is a pretty intense week for us so I'm watching my sugar I'm not um, having my wine I'm just because for me it's just I get easily triggered by food okay. my son's the same way it's just I know when he's had too much sugar and so everyone's different but I have to kind of be extra careful with all that stuff yeah I'd imagine how do you cope with traveling and jet lag and if, if sleep is so important to you because I'm, I'm the same I'm a grumpy bear if I yeah. don't sleep well I live and die by something called power sleep which is a supplement that I get at Whole Foods in the U.S., only certain Whole Foods in the U.S., that has a little melatonin and L-theanine and some amino acids and some other good stuff, and I, I have to take it because I have to sleep. <laughs> so that's not always work, but it works most of the time. But, yeah, I just... I, and Natasha will know I don't like early morning meetings because it's my it's my work time, it's my run time. You know, I, I'll work late, mm-hmm. but I'm... So I just kind of... The team is really good about working around me that way because they, they also know that it's not awesome when I haven't had a lot of sleep. So <laughs> you got to work with people when they're at their best. There's no point in trying yeah. to force them to do something when it's not the best time. Don't push it up the hill. Like just go with the flow, right? That's the whole. Yeah, don't push it up the hill. That's so true. Yeah. If it feels like hard work, it, or I remember an editor once saying to me years ago, and it was just one of those moments that just went ping. Just said, if it feels like it's getting too complicated, it is. Back off and just see what happens. Right. And it's so true. If ever anything just feels like it's too complicated or it's just becoming a mess, just take a step back. And if it's meant to be, it will go in the right direction. If it's meant to disappear into nothing, it will. It will. That's. Yeah, it's interesting. It's true. It's really true. Um, do you ever get um, when you talk about working on your gut instinct? Do you ever? think about your astrology background does that inform like maybe (laughs) sometimes I'm really fascinated by people who are plugged in to something just a little bit more than what they see which is what kind of yeah the fact that I'm talking about the podcast and you say it's good you're doing it now because of Mercury going retrograde like does those sorts of things influence your business decisions they do I mean they do I I do think about things and you know and I don't map my business or my life out based on astrology by any stretch of the imagination but I think for me it's helpful to have a knowledge if you believe in it of astrology also because it helps me understand people and have compassion for people I mean my two children are astrologically completely different than I am so I don't expect them to be anything like me so I have a lot more compassion and I think flexibility with respect to how they are and I try to work with them because I know that they're the way they are so um, I think that also works into business I mean I do know 
a sign of everyone on my team and we do a little astrology stuff on Friday just for fun when we feel like it but it does help you to understand people better and understand how they work and what works for them and what motivates them and what doesn't motivate them and we laugh about it but it does kind of helps whatever works I'm fascinated by it I'm absolutely fascinated I love the fact that it may be I'm not saying that you run your business on astrology I'm just saying that I love the fact that there is this sort of influence of there is something in the back of your mind that might yeah, I'm a bit kooky. Help you a little bit on your way. Maybe. I like it. I like <laughs> we it. We even talked to our buyers about it. Yeah. We did our buyer's chart. He was into it. I mean, it just it's fun. But it sometimes helps. Yeah. I know that my creative director doesn't like to be told what to do. I know that about her based on her chart. So we laugh about it. But she's like, you're absolutely right. Don't tell me what to do. So you, so you have to find her the way to communicate, you know, your opinion, or you have to let her have an opinion and do what she wants to do sometimes, even if you don't agree, because you have to, you know, give and take. But it also validates somebody if they don't take criticism well. You can say, well, that's fine because you're X, Y, or Z. <laughs> So let's work around it. It diffuses stuff. The way you are. Okay, let's figure out. So rather than um, you need to work on your inability to take criticism and kind of you're at a dead end. Like now you can say, well, it's cool. Just do it this way. Yes, makes it a bit more fluid. And it is a little more fluid. It's it is. I I think in a management context, it it is kind of fun. I mean, we have folks obviously that don't believe in it at all and think I'm totally kooky, but they do laugh and get a bit of a giggle sometimes. And sometimes I'll say something to them and they'll get a little bit spooked like that is so dead on how did you know that well mercury is in this but um you know it sometimes helps um now did you bring your makeup bag with you today i did well i wrote my purse i might have known we were doing this so i cleaned out a lot of the things <laughs> in it it's right behind you let's see what i got so it's from anthropology but my uh, colleague gave it to me for christmas as a bit of a joke so in your handbag today you have the master plan and master what, what plan. is that a notebook it's a, notebook. It's a leather bound zippy it's a notebook. notebook just because i take tons of notes as we were just discussing so i have master plan she has dirty details <laughs> now <laughs> we actually just we were offline for a few minutes there we were talking about writing things down and that's yes. a really you have to write it down to remember it i do i take tons of notes all the time it just helps me remember how important are notebooks to you because do you get one and because it's a notebook and because it's leather bound whatever you write has to be really important and it has to be neat do you have like a perfectionism I with do your feel like I have to be neater with this one than the other ones that I usually use which are just the wire brown yeah I do but I'm not a neat writer so that all kind of went to hell in hand <laughs> that was a I started out neat you can see my first list was quite neat see that one was quite neat and now it's sort of looking like this and then as soon as you rip one page out, it's shot. Yeah. Because then it's yeah. It's sort of like the first scratch on a car. Yes. Then it's all bets are off. <laughs> you can do anything to it. And then I have Sweet Spot Wipes. Sweet Spot Wipes. 98% natural grapefruit babina pumpermousse um, wipes. Wipes. Hygiene wipes. That are um, formulated for a woman. So you can use them anywhere, uh-huh. but if you happen to use them on your sweet spot, they are not going to irritate. There's no alcohol. There's no glycerin. Very low level of fragrance, and um, gynecologist tested. So you could use it after you've been on the tube and your hands are feeling a bit mucky. Exactly. But you could also use it on your sweet spot. I like that. Exactly. My friend's just written a blog, uh, a blog actually, about how um, women find it absolutely impossible to articulate. Um, 
that area without using air quotes, which I've just done, yes. or using some kind of juvenile term. Exactly. So sweet spot is sweet the name of the product, so you can refer to it as your sweet spot, which is a little cheeky. We actually have washes as well, and they have scratch and sniff labels on them because we wanted women in the store to be able to smell the fragrance before mm. they bought it because you never know at mass what you're getting, and mm. sometimes it sounds good and then smells awful. So we have scratch and sniff labels, but people think that's quite cheeky too since it's... Um, I think sweet spot sounds like it needs to be a bit cheeky. It's a little cheeky. <laughs> And then I have my hand cream, ultra-rich hand cream. That I, I put on, feel... what, 20 minutes ago? Um, and it's, my skin feels incredible. Yes, I love it. It still feels very supple. I have to use it all the time. And then I have my favorite lipstick. I have my Excel gum, which is really exciting, I know. And my... So that's US gum, isn't it? Because we don't have It is, so you don't have here. that. It's just spearmint gum. My Clean Well, do you have Clean Well? It's a natural... Is it, pure, is it like Purell? It's like tea tree oil. It's okay. like a Purell, but a natural one. So a, a liquid... Jelly type sort hand of like a sanitizer. Spray. If I spray it, it'll smell like tea tree in here, which I know some people don't like. But you just kind of after you've been on the tube, mm. or but it smells like tea tree, so you have to like tea tree. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. It's not strong tea tree. It's like quite no, it's not too bad, but it does. And then I have this is my favorite lipstick, and I can't rem I can't remember the name. I think it's called Carmine. It's wow. a Stila. I know, but you know what I do? I dab it. So you stain I don't it. Swipe it. I stain it, but it's got a lot of pigment in it, mm. and I love it. So that I have that is everywhere. a rare thing is. because that is a lipstick down to the nub. It is down to the nub, and I carry them in every bag. They're my favorite. Please tell it's me it favorite. hasn't been discontinued. No, not yet. Okay, it better not be. I, so I love Stila lipsticks. I love the shape of the bullet. I love the mint. Mm. I love them. They're good. It's and it's Stila. What was the shade again? I think it's called Carmine. I don't know. Do you have good eyes? I don't know if there is any more. or Isabel maybe. Remember. We can look, but it's a very rich, deep, violety plum, almost like a black plum. I buy it in the. I don't know if you have these in the UK. And elevate me. No, I'm not that I've case. seen. Those are interesting. Those so are that's when you're hungry. A fruit and nut energy bar, and this one's peanut butter and cocoa. But what's and it's gluten free. But what's quite nice about it is it's flat, almost a little bit like the size and shape of an iPhone five. That's right, <laughs> and it's really good. I had one yesterday on the plane because we were flying early. Um, it's a good protein hit. And Kind Bars, do you have these here? I don't think oh, so. Oh, these are amazing. I live for Kind Bars. Earplugs, because I went to a concert with my daughter in New York that was really... Which concert did you go to? It was Fall Out Boy. <gasps> oh, yeah. She's into Fall Out Boy. She's 12. <laughs> I wore earplugs. <laughs> and, wow. Wowzers. Yeah, they're still around. Which, did she scream herself to she absolutely no voice the next day? in ecstasy. I mean, it was her first concert ever. It was in Madison Square Garden. It was Fall Out Boy. I have videos of it on my phone. She was just in heaven. So it was fun to watch her. So I enjoyed it. I had my reading glasses because you can't see anything anymore without my reading glasses. I have a brush. A Mason Pearson is that? Mason Pearson brush. Pearson. It's pretty grungy. It's been there for a long time. And my lip balm. That's kind of the most interesting things I have. In my bag. It's not that interesting. We're going to take a little picture of a few of these items and put them on Instagram <laughs> okay. so you can see what the... What are you, CEO or you MD? CEO, which is a bit of a silly title for a tiny company. You know, it's sort of like we all have these grandiose titles, but... But this will really uh, give you an insight into what a CEO of a beauty company carries when she's traveling, which <laughs> um, is... I, I like the mix. There's hygiene, there's hydration... And there's Scum. protein. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything you need. And earplugs, which I like. And earplugs. Yeah, I can put those. Those were handy. 
Those yes. definitely handy. Very handy. <laughs> <laughs> but, have, but they have been in the presence of Fallout Boy for any Fallout Yes, or exactly. Fallout Boy Pete, what is it, Pete Wentz? Is that his name, the guitarist? I, I think know this. so. I don't know. My daughter's I'm obsessed. Really? Oh. How does she feel about Bieber? She is on the fence. She likes his latest album, but she's not thrilled with some of his behavior in the past. No, no. You know, and she's Canadian, too, and he's Canadian, mm. and the Canadian kids are sort of on the fence about Biebs. Well, Canadians are having a, a moment. <laughs> they are. I mean, we have a phenomenal PM, and we're just living life. Oh, I'm totally thinking about Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Oh, right. That and too. also Gosling. Ryan Gosling is a Canadian. Is Canadian? Rachel McAdams. Isn't... Um, Ryan Gosling is totally Canadian. Totally Canadian. So in our office, we have... I didn't know that. Ryan Reynolds. Like, we have these clear frames. So everyone... At Can I point, come to your office? It sounds like the coolest place ever. At some point, it was like, are you Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? And it was like, everyone had to have a, a picture, a framed picture of their favorite guy in different poses. It was like hilarious. For three weeks, it was like, <laughs> who do you love most? Who won? Reynolds kind of came out on top. There was... he. I had Reynolds. It was funny. It's funny. But Interesting. Came on top. But that's like the joy of working in an all-female kind of group. We just... We go with it. We make, you know, we laugh. We have fun, and it's just like we're working really hard, and that's you have to you laugh. You have to have fun with it, because if not, what's the point? And uh, who's the guy who was Pacey in Dawson's Creek? Who's just been in the affair? I always forget his name. Jackson. Joshua Jackson. Jackson. Joshua Jackson. He's Canadian. Yep. Canadians are so funny. They will tell you everyone who's Canadian. I love it. They are so hot She's right now. He's Canadian. He's she's Canadian. I love it. I interviewed I interviewed Joshua Jackson a few years ago, which is terrible that I forget his name. Um, but uh, I started to ask him about vowel sounds in Degrassi oh Junior gosh. High, <laughs> and then listened to the tape back and just thought, oh no, you didn't. And I, but I did. There's nothing I can do about it now. It's out there. <laughs> it's out there. I put it out in the world, and I, I can't get it back. It's sort of like my astrology. It's out there now. I've been outed. Your astrology is a lot more interesting than me being a bit of a, an idiot in front of Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I you love win. Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I like the affair too. I thought that was I really good. It. Oh, you should. Yeah. On one, uh, download it. Watch it on your one of your flights. Okay, I will. It's quite intense though. Well, Amy. Thank Emma. you so much. I've Thank had so you. much fun and learned a lot. You're a fantastic interviewer. Oh, I loved it. Bless you asked you. great questions. Oh, thank you very much. And I got to rummage around in your handbag. Yeah, you did. And so um, dirty, to but... pay you back, I'm going to show you the video of me rapping to Jay-Z. Because <laughs> I think that's a fair exchange. I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. We're going to put all the information about Skin Fix, this incredible range, in all of the show notes and links to Amy uh, too. Thank you for listening. Join us again on the next beauty podcast with Emma G. Bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.